and welcome to mini episode 17 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? We've got two listener stories for you today. Oh, dear Jeebus. <laughs> the first story comes with a warning because there there is conversation about suicide in it. And the second story deals with the loss of a parent. So there's a whole world that people might not want to deal with in today's episode. If that doesn't sound like it's for you, please feel free to skip ahead. I'm feeling very fragile in lockdown. I watched Afterlife season two. Uh, today and yesterday and just sobbed the entire time so yeah but that if you is are, a sad program yes but what i mean is if you're feeling particularly fragile in lockdown if talking about suicide or the loss of a parent is not for you then by all means we shall see you next week because i don't want to upset anybody so story number one comes from paula are you ready never ready it was 2004 i was 22 My best friend Noelle was 25 and her little sister Charlie was 18. We'd been quite close through childhood, partners in crime if you will. We taught Charlie how to drink and smoke and we often convinced her to do the stupid shit we thought might be cool but were too afraid to try. In 2003, Charlie met a great guy we all loved, whom we'll call Mark. They moved in together when Charlie became pregnant. Now... I would like to sugarcoat it and say they were made for each other. But the fact was that the relationship was a hot mess. Mark was unmedicated by choice and manic and bipolar. He was also prone to delusions and had had past run-ins with drug dealers. It was not uncommon to hear of him scrambling because he owed someone money and they might come after him. Although he never hurt Charlie or their son, he could be violent towards himself and threatened suicide many times. One day in May, Charlie came home. She carried their infant son as well as the groceries upon her hip. As she opened the apartment door, the first thing she saw was a large butcher knife lodged into the wall. Charlie never knew what to believe when it came to Mark. Theatrics were not uncommon. She would like to say she panicked, but she didn't. She set the groceries down and walked to the bedroom calmly. Upon opening the bedroom door, she discovered Mark hanging from the closet. She dropped their son and immediately started trying to free him. It was too late. A police investigation followed, as would be expected. Aside from the knife in the wall, it was clear that Mark had hung himself. There was no suicide note, he had no drugs or alcohol in his system, and this made the police suspicious. Charlie, no longer wishing to remain in the apartment, immediately moved back with her father and sister. A few days later, Noelle and Charlie's dad was home alone. Both girls were out with Mark's family, visiting and helping to make arrangements. The phone rang and he answered, never bothering to check the caller ID. No one responded. On the line there was heavy static and what he could only later describe as a whisper. No one answered his repeated hellos and he hung up. Upon checking the caller ID it was Mark's cell phone number. Their father assumed it was either Charlie or Mark's mother calling from the phone 
and that they had had a bad connection. Assuming they would call back, he fell asleep and didn't mention the call to anyone. Two days later, Noelle was home alone with her young son. She had just put him to bed when the phone rang. Now, to give you a bit of the scenery, they lived on a dirt road with five houses. It was on the edge of a heavily wooded area. There were no streetlights. The kitchen where the landline was, was like a big fishbowl, windows all around. She answered the telephone. Static. She said hello and received a response of static. She waited a moment, thinking it was a bad connection. Through the static, she finally heard a whisper. I'm right here. Noelle felt the hairs on her neck stand completely on end and slammed the phone down. Looking at the caller ID, she noticed it was Mark's cell phone. She took multiple deep breaths. She didn't dare upset her sister, but Noelle was a believer. Never the sceptic. Determined to debunk her theory immediately, she dialed the number back. It went straight to voicemail. She waited a few minutes and dialed again. This time someone picked up. Nothing but static. Her hair raised again and she felt the overwhelming feeling someone was watching her. She slowly set the phone down and just as she turned, she felt someone grab her elbow. No one was there, but she felt for sure someone was right next to her. She did the little hop dance of someone with the heebie-jeebies, you know the one where you're just trying to shake it off. She was about 99% I need to get the fuck out of here and 1% I need to spare my sister from what might be the biggest asshole joke ever. And she felt like she might vomit. Shaking, she dialed Mark's mother's phone number directly. Mark's mother picked up. When Noelle asked if she had had a call from Mark's cell, she told Noelle the phone was still at the police station. It was one of the items they kept for the investigation. Noelle quickly lied and said she must have misread the caller ID. As soon as she hung up, Noelle flipped every single light on and sat up the entire night with the phone in her hand. She was certain she was being watched and wouldn't dare fall asleep. In the morning, she called Charlie to see if she could get Mark's belongings back from the police yet. Charlie said she would get it that day and hung up. We all attended the funeral that day and when Charlie fell asleep, Noelle checked the calls on the phone. There had been no outgoing calls. One week later, the three of us and Charlie's best friend were having a small get-together. We were drinking and there may have been a bit of pot but we were not nearly drunk or high. We were remembering Mark, saying goodbye and trying to lift Charlie up. We were sitting in the kitchen when the phone rang. Charlie instantly jumped up as she was waiting for a call from her cousin. The caller ID said Mark. Her eyes widened in shock, but she picked it up. Static. She must have said hello ten times, each time more frantic, more panicked. She had tears streaming down her face, more static. At this point, we were begging her to hang up. I grabbed the phone from her hands, ready to chew some fucker out for being an asshole, when I heard the whisper, I'm here. And then the static was gone. We sat stunned. 
I cannot begin to describe the rate that I was shaking. Noelle confessed what happened to her. And our friend Laurie confessed that it had happened to her too. We checked Mark's phone, which was right upstairs, and there were no outgoing calls. We left that night and stayed at another friend's house and never spoke of it again. We only recently found out her father's story. I'm a sceptic, big time. Atheist, anti-paranormal, but I love creepy stories, but nothing explains it. This was easily 10 years before the robocall fake number technology. The loss of Mark was no doubt a horrible deal in all of our lives, so maybe we were all grasping at something to help us come to terms with it. Or could he have perhaps been trying to make her feel at ease? Really sad um, circumstances for that story, which was... Yeah, I mean, it's awful. Like, losing somebody to suicide has a particular kind of sting to it, I think. But it also makes me not want to have a phone. That's horrific. It's like... Although, actually, she said a very good point there at the end. I hadn't really thought about that robocall technology. And actually, I know her story takes place before it was around in common use. But actually, that's a good point, because I feel like if you cancel a phone, it doesn't take long for them to reissue the number. No, I, I've told you this story yeah. before and I don't know if I've told it on the podcast, but it happened to my aunt. So my uncle passed away um, after a long illness. And then a couple of years later, it was like a couple of years later and a couple of years ago, she was on the phone to my mum and she was like, oh, I have to go. I've got another call coming through, but I'll ring you back. And then she rang my mum back really upset and she'd gotten a phone call from my uncle's number. And now she was saying... She, like, I get that numbers get re-farmed out, yeah. you know, and, and she was kind of saying, like, I understand that. But what are the chances that the number would be re-farmed out and that person would With accidentally ring, yeah. call her yeah. number? Yeah. The chances are slim, but it's still a good point I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously it doesn't, it's not applicable to this story, but it's just, um, I hate the idea of, uh, of, like, technology being used by the paranormal. <laughs> Well, it's awful, Not isn't technology, it? specifically phone calls. It's I don't invasive. like the idea of having a phone call. I don't mind getting a text from someone because I could just put that down to like, you know, like a technical error. But an actual phone call where you're yeah. hearing a voice in the static, oh, I'm not down with that. that. That freaks me out. It makes me want to get rid of my phone so bad. But then we do a lot of stuff for the, for the <laughs> yeah. podcast and that on the phone, don't we? Um, I mean, there's probably, an, I mean, it's not, it hasn't in this case because it obviously weirded them all out. But I'd imagine there's probably an element of comfort to it in a different way. Yeah. Because um, it gives you a sense of the afterlife, right? It gives you a sense that he is still existing somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is quite a a calming, positive thing. But also alarming. Very alarming. I would. I mean, I would do. I would be the dad. The first time it happened. Oh, just assuming that it was somebody. I mean, I think I would. The it, like the first time I would think, oh, somebody has his phone. Yeah. And has. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be thinking immediately paranormal, but when the phone was upstairs mm. and I got a phone call from and there's it, there's no listing of. List- I'd be like mm. drop kicking my phone out the window. Like, nope. 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 Okay, so you ready for a second story? I'm never ready for this stuff. 
that no, first I think one you're, has shook me. I think you're going to be okay. I think you're going to be okay. So the, so this is Kayla's story. Okay. And she wrote it in and specifically requested that we didn't play the creepy music under it. Okay. Because this story, in her words, she said that it's not... her. She hasn't written in to freak people out. She's written in that maybe somebody might get comfort from her story. So okay. I am okay. down with that. If you don't want the, the creepy music under your story... Just let us know. Absolutely. So this is Kayla's story. And like I said previously, this story deals with the loss of a parent. So if you're struggling a bit with that, then you might want to you might want to skip this story. But equally, it might provide some semblance of comfort for somebody. So here we go. My dad was a sergeant in the NYPD and he was killed in the World Trade Center attacks on 9-11. He was 43 years old. My sisters were 16, 13 and I was 6. My father was an amazing man and we were just the happiest family. So as you can imagine, we were absolutely heartbroken and left in disbelief at his death. The disbelief came from the fact that he was just gone. If you speak to anyone who knew him, they would tell you how my father was just so full of life. He attacked the day when he woke up and he loved my family and I fiercely. It was just unnatural and illogical to think that he was just gone. We've always felt his presence and we always talk about him as if he's still around and how he would find certain situations funny or how he would like new friends that we've made and that type of thing. We all believe in heaven and that he was always with us. But since my father's death, he has certainly proven that he's never left. The first real event to note was when my eldest sister went to college. She had gone to get a parking permit for her car so that she'd be able to park on campus. She'd been missing my dad and reflecting on the fact that he wasn't able to see her move into college and be proud of how far she had come. Her sorrow faded though when she looked down at her permit and saw that the number that she had been assigned was 91101. Our father was showing her in the most obvious way that he could think of that he was not missing this big event in her life. The numbers come up a lot. I share a few stories here where they were blatantly obvious but most of the time If I'm trying to make a big life decision and I'm doubting myself, I'll look at the clock and it will be on 9-11 or I'll see 9-1-1 somewhere and I'll know to not doubt myself. My dad has protected me a number of times, but I'll just give you two stories here. It was when I was a new driver at about 16 years old. I was driving on a road that I didn't particularly like because there were so many blind turns. I got to a stop sign at a crossroads. I was trying to turn right and knowing that it was a dangerous intersection, I crept up to the stop. I checked to make sure I was clear about a hundred times. I put my foot on the gas because I saw that I was the only person at this intersection. I didn't even hear any other cars. I got a little pissed off and nervous when my car didn't move when I hit the gas. My heart stopped though when this car sped past, right in front of me, right where my car should have been. Right after it passed, my car bounced forward a little bit as if I just slammed on the brakes. 
I was so confused and freaked out that the car might be broken that I pulled over to the side of the road. I was freaked out until I heard this memory from years ago ringing in my ears. The summer before my father died, I'd been out fishing with my dad and I fell in the water. My dad roared my name in fear as he ran over and pulled me out of the water. Sitting in my car shaking, I heard him shout my name like that, but as if it was an echo. I immediately felt safe knowing that nothing was wrong with my car. It was just that my dad had slammed on my brakes for me. Another time I think my dad saved me was about four years ago in my garage. My mom was always complaining about what a mess the garage was and how she was going to spend the coming weekend cleaning it up. She was not looking forward to it, as she knew it would be a long and exhausting job. I figured that I would surprise her and get it all cleaned out for her overnight and have her wake up to a clean garage. Everything was going great and I was buzzing along getting it done easily and quietly so as not to wake up my mum. When I was nearing the end of the task though, there was almost a big issue. I went to move a huge stack of boxes. I was able to pick them up easily, but as I started to move, their weight shifted and they started to tilt over. And it was clear that these boxes were going to fall on top of me and slam me into the concrete floor. It may just have been adrenaline, but somehow the boxes got much lighter and I was able to place them back down from where I'd picked them up. The reason I don't immediately think it was adrenaline though was the fact that it felt like the boxes were being pushed back from the top. It was as if someone came up behind me and pushed them forward for me. Again, it could have just been me being overexhausted and feeling some kind of adrenaline rush, but I'll never forget that. These are just two of the stories from when he has protected us. But seriously, there have been so many times in my life, whether it be a traffic incident, a time I got too drunk for my own good, or just any type of close call that I've thought, how the hell did I make it out of that unscathed? There have been many times that my dad just wanted to comfort me. I was a teenager, about 15. It was summertime, and a few friends and I were on a trip in Edinburgh, Scotland. We were at Edinburgh Castle, where there is this beautiful memorial to the world wars there. Just walking in there, I knew it was an important place. As I looked around, I began to feel sorry for myself because it made me think of my dad. My father was also a Marine before he became a cop. He always took memorials seriously, and he taught me to hold honour and respect in a high regard. I was doing my best to pull myself together and calm myself down, So I went over to where I saw a section full of red books of roll calls for the deceased. I grabbed a book that was full of names of soldiers killed in World War I. I just opened to some random page and my eyes filled up when I saw the name at the top of the page. John Wayne. I laughed to myself and looked up, showing my dad that I knew what he was doing. My dad and I have always been huge John Wayne fans and it was something that I always just associated with him. It was such a comfort to see that name. And I like to think that my father must have went and tracked down that soldier named John in heaven, and probably shook his hand, and thanked him for making me feel better. My dad even finds a way to jokingly punish us. (laughs) 
Two years ago, I was in the early stages of a relationship with my boyfriend. My mom had just been bugging me all day. And as I was leaving to go hang out with my boyfriend, my mom told me to bring a jacket that it was going to rain. I told her I'd be fine and it's just rain anyway. I got in the car with my boyfriend and complained about my mom for a little bit of the drive. I don't usually complain about her and I felt a little guilty, but I quickly forgot about it and just enjoyed my time with my new boyfriend. When we pulled into the parking lot of the store we were going to shop at, it started to pour. We got out, ran in, but at the last second I decided to run back out in the rain to get a shopping cart. Right as I got up to it, the cart rolled away from me, being pulled by the wind. I walked towards it, reached out to grab it, and again just missed it as it (laughs) rolled away. This happened two more times. And finally, as I grabbed it, I screamed up to the sky. I get it. I should have worn the jacket. My boyfriend cracked up laughing at my soaked self. He was never a believer in spirits or things like that. But since then, he's beginning to believe more and more. As he always sees funny things like that happening to me. Another instance was my cousin having a reassuring nudge from my dad. His wife was pregnant. And the doctor had just given them awful news that their baby could have been in danger. The baby was not developing correctly and the doctor was explaining what could go wrong and how they'd have to monitor the mother and the baby's health extensively. My cousin and his wife were obviously upset until the doctor told them something else. The doctor told them that the baby's due date was September 11th. My cousin knew that it was a message from my dad that the baby would be absolutely fine. He still stayed cautious, but he had a bit of comfort in knowing that my dad had an eye on his family. The baby was born on September the 12th, a happy and healthy baby girl. Another story comes to mind of another friend who was having a baby. His wife had just been diagnosed as gestational diabetic and they were a little worried about the pregnancy. The next morning after getting the news, my friend's wife told him about a vivid dream that she had that night about a man in their unborn daughter's bedroom. She said it wasn't scary at all. She wanted the man to stay there. In the dream, he was leaning over the crib talking to the baby and making her laugh, while her husband stood there talking to this friendly stranger. The man then stood up straight put his hand on her husband's shoulder and smiled and then her dream ended. Her husband asked what the man looked like. She said he was this huge guy with dark curly hair, a red t-shirt, grey sweatpants and bare feet. Her husband laughed and said, Oh my gosh, it's John. That's my dad's name. And his wife had never met my dad. She had heard about my dad before and seen pictures but he was never really at the forefront of her brain. My family and I stopped by for a visit later that day. They told us everything and we confirmed that this man had to be my dad. My friend's wife was confused as she figured my dad, the policeman, would have been wearing blue. We said that he would often be seen wearing red t-shirts around the house because most of his stuff was from the Marines and was red. We said that it must have been my dad letting her know that he was watching out for her baby. Once again, a few months later, the baby girl was born, happy and healthy. 
It's no surprise to my family and I that my dad would make his presence known in these situations. He was a big sucker for children. He also knew what it was like for a parent to fear for their child because my sister had a health scare when she was a baby that rattled my parents very badly. It seems that my dad just wants to be a comfort in these times. He sort of comforted my family just a few weeks ago. My niece had started her first day of kindergarten and everything was going great until the end of the day. My mom and my sister went to get her off the bus, but she wasn't there. Turns out there was just some crazy complication with the school buses and everything ended up being fine and my niece got home safely. There was a full hour though that my niece was missing and no one could figure out what bus she was on or if she even got on a bus. It was absolutely terrifying for my whole family and it was just a total nightmare. Finally, after everything got sorted out and everyone had calmed down, my sister was reading an email saying what buses her daughter would be on for the rest of the year. She read it out loud in a calm voice saying, Okay, so in the morning she will be on bus 9 and in the afternoon she will be on bus 11. She just looked at us and we all laughed. My mom just declared, okay, well, there'll be no more issues with her getting home from now on. A lot of people talk about how they think that their loved ones come through to them as butterflies or cardinals, but I've never experienced anything like that until two years ago. I was snorkeling on a beach in the Bahamas. My family was on the beach and I was out alone in the water. I started to feel a little nervous at one point. When I looked up and saw how far away from the shore I'd gotten, I started to get a little panicky. But when I looked down in the water, I saw a sea turtle. I got so excited and tried to get a closer look when the turtle looked up and spotted me. I was waiting for it to swim away frightened, but it didn't. It swam up up to me, then passed me. I started swimming after it to follow it. I have to say it was the most incredible experience of my life. This animal was not frightened and for some reason it swam slowly enough for me to stay within arm's reach of it. We swam together for about 10 whole minutes and I began to feel a little exhausted from the swimming. And as if it could read my mind, the turtle turned, looked me right in the eyes as if to say goodbye and then swam away at a much more appropriate faster speed, which seemed more natural for an aquatic animal. As I swam back into land, I somehow knew that it was my father. My dad used to take me to the town pool every summer, and we'd spend all day there playing in the water. I don't know what it was, but I was just certain that it was my dad. When I got back to my family, I told them about the turtle. My mom just looked at me very matter-of-factly and said, well, I guess someone just wanted to visit you. It didn't end there, though. After we left the Bahamas, we went to SeaWorld in Florida. We obviously loved the entire park, but it was when we got to the sea turtle exhibit that we were blown away. The turtles had just been swimming around in their little enclosure, completely indifferent to the crowds of people looking in at them, until my niece walked up to the glass. Immediately this one turtle swam right up to the glass and stayed with her as she walked up and down the area in front of the glass. We stayed there for about 15 minutes and the turtle never left. I still see sea turtles a lot whenever I'm going through a tough time. 
One day while at work, I was walking through a part of New York City that I'd never been before, and I was completely lost. I was getting to a frantic stage as I had to make an appointment. When I looked up in a store window and saw a whole bunch of sea turtle keychains hanging in the window. This would be totally normal if I were in a place like Florida. But it's a little bit unusual for New York, where the Statue of Liberty or the Empire State Building keychains are sold. Anyway, after I saw the sea turtle, I was able to calm down and find my way again. My dad actually helped me out a lot that day. I was hired for this job. It was my birthday, when I had my last interview. I was nervous as all hell, especially because I had to navigate getting myself into Lower Manhattan on a railroad I'd never been on before. I got off my first train and walked into a massive mess of a station. I'd no idea where I had to be. Before I could start getting anxious though, this guy who looked like a construction man came rushing through the crowd and right to me. It looked as if he had recognised me or something and wanted to get to me specifically. He asked if I needed help and then proceeded to direct me to where I needed to be. Then he just vanished back into the crowd and went on his hurried commute. It just seemed so weird to me that this man, who was clearly in a hurry, would just run over to help me without my asking. I then went on my interview and got the job. On the way back, I got through the train station fine, but it was getting on the train home that was weird. The conductor was so focused on me for some reason. He led me over from the car I was going to get on and told me to come on to another car. I just followed this really nice man figuring he just wanted the crowd to spread out for some reason. As we walked, he asked me about my day. He told me how happy he was for me to be getting this job and he sat me down in this car all by myself. I was thrilled to be alone so that I could read my book in silence but I kept wondering why nobody got on my car as we got to all of our stops. It seemed like for some reason this conductor just wanted to give me some sort of VIP treatment. I really feel as if my dad just sent these guys my way to make my day run as smoothly as it possibly could. My eldest sister is now in her 30s and is married and has two children. We've always felt that her older daughter has had a bit of a connection with those who have moved on into the next life. Before she could talk, I would often find her giggling and laughing at nothing. This isn't uncommon for babies, and a lot of times I knew it was just innocence. However, other times, it really was as if she was looking at someone. She would get this look of recognition on her face. Sometimes I would be holding her, and she would reach her arms up as as if she wanted someone behind me to pick her up. My dad was six foot two, so my family just always assumed my niece was reaching up to her tall grandpa. As my niece began to talk, she would even mention to us that my dad would speak to her while she was laying in bed. We never acknowledged that this was weird or anything like that. We'd just say, oh, and how is granddad? And she'd smile and say that he was funny or that he gives such good hugs. One Christmas, my second eldest sister was giving my niece a present. My niece grabbed it and went, oh, this is from my granddad. It's a doll with black hair. And sure enough, it was a Snow White doll with black hair. We were amazed, but we couldn't contain our laughter that our dad was taking credit for my sister's gift. (laughs) My niece has also shown a connection with her grandmother. My brother-in-law's mother died a few months after my niece was born. 
she had ALS and she unfortunately lost the battle when she was still in her 50s. Before she died, she gave my niece a beautiful purple wind chime with butterflies to hang in her room. It's still there. My niece had just started saying a few words here and there when my brother-in-law picked her up from her nap one day. The baby started pointing over to the wind chime so my brother-in-law carried her over to it. She chimed it a few times, turned to her father smiling and said, Oma, in this happy little voice. Oma is German for grandmother and it was the name my niece's grandmother chose to go by. There were a few other times that my brother-in-law would hear my niece speaking in German after her nap. One day he walked in and she said hi daddy in German. This was well before she was old enough to learn these types of words and there's no way she heard them from my brother-in-law because he never speaks German and he's just plain bad at it. (laughs) I need to be clear that none of these experiences have ever been scary to us. Not in the slightest. They have been so comforting. The good thing too is none of them have ever tried to appear to us or move things of ours or anything like that. My dad doesn't touch us or show up as a shadow. He comes through in funny things appearing to us, songs coming on at the perfect moment or having us see the right thing at the right time. It's hard to explain, but they happen all the time. We also don't go looking for him in these moments. Only the time with the parking permit and the time with the war memorial. Did he ever come through when we were kind of asking for a little nudge from him? Other than those moments, he just kind of surprises us. There are so many stories I could tell, but this has already gone on for way too long. I just wanted someone to hear these stories, and I figured that you guys would probably be the right person to tell them to. Maybe these will even be useful to Dan to help him calm down after hearing an awful story. (laughs) I know I have to think of them after your podcast freaks me out. Amazing. And then she goes on to ask about not playing the the creepy music, but... Absolutely amazing. I just love it. So much weight in it as well. I'd imagine if you are, you know, if you had to have someone in your life that is so obsessed with their family. Yeah. You wouldn't, that person passing probably wouldn't want to pass on completely, would they? No, and they'd want to be there for those moments, like his daughter going to college and and seeing his daughter getting a job interview and and those little things like, why am I ending up in VIP? Yeah. Of the VIP section of the train. This is mad. Like, that is like your dad just saying, congratulations, you deserve to have a bit of a a nice train journey home. What's going to make me cry? Yeah, it's just an amazing, 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 amazing story. And I think there's loads, loads of weight to that. Loads of weight. Yeah, and I'm sure there, I'm sure there's loads of people listening to this who are like, oh, well, my, the person that I love that passed on comes through in this way, yeah. whether it's, you know, whether, whether it's butterflies or whether it's a robin or whether, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And the other thing is that it doesn't matter if other people believe it. Like what no, matters not. is that it, makes you feel like your dad is there yeah. and that's what's important yeah and it's not for anybody else either no it? it's not dad doesn't care if anybody else believes that story or not because it's for her and for her family but i believe it and i think it's amazing i think it's lovely as well i've got some really deep very white thing going on at the moment i can't seem to regulate my voice properly yeah, i don't know what's going on with it this is amazing <laughs> um, if um <laughs> if you enjoyed this week's episode 
then feel free to come and find us on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram. At 50p Movie Club. We are on Twitter. Oh, at Real Ghost Pod. Sorry, I forgot that was me. We are also on Facebook. You can like our Facebook page, which is Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. And you can join our supergroup, which is RLGS Supergroup. And the password is... Dan and Emma, Emma and Dan. And it is the most gorgeous side of the internet. It's fab. It's lovely. The people are lovely. Everyone shares stories. I think it's gorgeous. I always think of it when people are bitching about how bad the internet is and how nasty and what a cesspit it is. I just think, well, not all of it. (laughs) Not all of it. You're just like, well. Because we've got our own little Nevada. But I kind of don't want to tell people about it because I'm like, it's just perfect. It's such a nice little corner of the internet. Um, if you want to share your story, you can email it to us on real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com. Well done. That is the best way to send me your story. I know lots of people send them like via Instagram and Facebook. Unfortunately, if you do it that way, I won't read it on the podcast because I don't really it's get it. Like we, we get so many stories, it's yeah. quite hard to manage multiple streams. So if you yes. want it read out, it has to come to the email address. It's the best behind. way to do it. And we are but very We behind. will get to them eventually. Um, and if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month, you get access to, oh, I think it's 54 extra episodes of real life ghost stories. Sorry about that. And if you sign up for $2 a month, what do you get access to? Um, some, something called 50p Movie Club, which hopefully there will be a new episode of very soon. Very exciting. Mm, that's good. Um if you've heard a really weird noise in the background, it's not an EVP. It's just our little cat is snoring incredibly loud from the She's other room. Snoring her head off. <laughs> so um, if you heard any of that during the podcast, it wasn't anything creepy. It was just being yeah. contentedly sleeping off her dinner, I think. That's what it is. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.